I should have kept my eyes for the many brilliant and interesting sights constantly offered me. Another girl would have done so. I myself might have done so. Had I been over 18, or had I not come from the country, where my natural love of romance had been fostered by uncongenial surroundings, and a repressed life under the eyes of a severe and unsympathetic maiden aunt. I was visiting in a house where fashionable people made life a perpetual holiday, yet all of the pleasures which followed so rapidly, one upon another, that I have difficulty now in separating them into distinct impressions, the greatest, the only one I never confounded with any other, was the hour I spent in my window, after the day's dissipations were all over, watching what? Truth and the necessities of my story oblige me to say a man's face, a man's handsome but preoccupied face, bending night after night over a study table in the lower room of the great house in our rear. I had been in the city three weeks, and I had already received, pardon the seeming egotism of the confession, four offers, which, considering I had no fortune and but little education or knowledge of the great world, speaks well for something. I leave you to judge what. All of these offers were from young men, one of them a very desirable young man, but I had listened to no one's addresses, because after accepting them, I should have felt it wrong to contemplate so unremittingly the face, which, for all its unconsciousness of myself, held me spellbound to an idea I neither stopped nor cared to analyze. Why, at such a distance and under circumstances of such distraction, did it affect me so? It was not a young face. Mr. Allison, at that time, was thirty-five. Neither was it a cheerful or even a satisfied one. But it was very handsome, as I have said. Far too handsome, indeed, for a romantic girl to see unmoved. And it was an enigmatic face, one that did not lend itself to immediate comprehension, and that, to one of my temperament, was a fatal attraction especially as enough was known of his more than peculiar habits to assure me that character rather than whim lay back of his eccentricities. But first, let me explain more fully my exact position in regard to this gentleman on that day in early spring, destined to be such a memorable one in my history. I had never seen him, save in the surreptitious way I have related and he had never seen me. The day following my arrival in the city, I had noticed the large house in our rear and had asked some questions about it. This was but natural, for it was one of the few mansions in the great city with an old-style lawn about it. Besides, it had a peculiarly secluded and secretive look, which, even to my unaccustomed eyes, gave it an appearance strangely out of keeping with the expensive but otherwise ordinary houses visible in all other directions. The windows, and there were many, 
were all shuttered and closed, with the exception of the three on the lower floor, and two others directly over these. On the top story, they were even boarded up, giving to that portion of the house a blank and desolate air, matched, I was told, by that of the large drawing-room windows on either side of the front door, which faced, as you must see, on another street. The grounds which, were more or less carefully looked after, were separated from the street by a brick wall, surmounted by urns, from which drooped the leafless tendrils of some old vines.